Welcome to episode 17? Sure. We'll go 17. Episode 17 in season one of yeah. Northern Goal. I am Jake, also known as the mighty Alaskan Ute. I am Benji, recording to you, coming from the North Pole, North Pole, Alaska. A lot of you know me yes. on Twitter as Alaskutan. Some of you know me on Instagram as Alaskan Kayak, but I am one and the same. And and some of us, me particularly, know you as Dr. Benjamin Hadfield, yes. who gave me a crown on my teeth. So there's lots of things people know you as. Yeah, yeah. I wear many hats. So how is there lots of activity going on up there in the North Pole right now? You got, what, 10 days out till Santa makes his flight? Yeah, you know, but I not really that I would you would notice. So we have we have the Santa Claus house and it's really just a oversized gift shop. It's kind of a tourist attraction here. And it's kind of fun when you come visit Alaska at North Pole in June, you can show up and it's like, "Oh, it's Christmassy and there's a countdown that says exactly how many days, hours, minutes, seconds till Christmas." And so times like that it's kind of fun. So we, relatives will show up and we'll go show them Santa's house. This time of year though, we don't go. I mean, the the lines are just ridiculously long and I mean, it's just packed. So, uh I I try and stay away from that, you know. I've got Santa as my neighbor all year long. The novelty kind of wears yeah. off a little bit. <clears throat> yeah, but you see, do you see the elves just scurrying about? I mean, is there lots of final <laughs> preparation being done? I thought that there might be more little people here when I moved up here, and the the lack of them around has maybe maybe realized you know that that's maybe not a fun joke for them to be like. I live in the North Pole, and I'm three foot <laughs> seven. So, uh, Part, yeah, well, because they're all they're all squirreled away in the workshop right now, getting things true. packed up on the sleigh. You don't see anybody. They don't man. get many breaks. Working. No, one cool thing, too, about living here, I love this, there really is a Santa Claus who works at the Santa house, and he'll sit there, and, and to a somewhat creepy degree, he'll you'll show up to get your pictures taken with Santa Claus, like in June or whenever, because he's there a lot of the time, and he will insist, even though you're a grown butt man who's 230 <laughs> pounds, he'll be like, no, no, don't be shy, come sit on my lap, I insist, and and <laughs> so you do, and everyone gets these awkward pictures of big grown-up sitting on his lap, but he, he like forces the issue, so man, that guy's lap has more... <laughs> <laughs> more traffic than most laps you would know. But that's not what I was going to say. What I was wow. going to say is this. I love this. More, most, more traffic than Northern Exposure Strip Club is what you're saying, <laughs> Yes, <right? laughs> yes. He, he's got the man with the busy lap. He he will recognize, like, we've gone there often enough that he knows, at least my daughter, he knows her name. And so we'll be walking around the grocery store, and he's not dressed like Santa all the time, but we know it's him. So he's there, like, picking out milk or whatever. He's like, oh, Hannah, how are you doing? And it's really cool to be like yeah i live in the north pole santa is my neighbor he's up here and you we, we shop at the, the same the same grocery store as santa claus we do bro. that's that's incredible yeah how about that two celebrities under one roof santa claus and <laughs> and me alaskuton man at the same time <laughs> i gotta say this one of my my son he came home from school this was like six weeks ago and he was like dad one of my someone in class he didn't know who this person was someone came up to him and said hey is your dad alaskan kayak and I just looked at him and I said, yeah. And they said, that's what I thought and walked off. And I was like, whoa, this is like the most <laughs> fame I have ever had in my life. <laughs> Dude, it's incredible, yeah. man. It's an honor to share the microphone with you. It, I, will, I will say <laughs> that. I do feel an enormous amount of pressure, though, for my children to, you know, live up to – I can't let it, you know, ruin their lives, you know? Yep. Now you know how pro athletes feel about their kids. Yeah. Like, man, you know, they're, they're the pro athletes and the kids have this enormous <laughs> – uh, shoes to fill, and dude, there's a last Utah with his kayak and his camera, and your kids yeah. have to fill that, fill the kayak when they get older. Yeah, that's, that's right. How are things your way? Right, What's let's, new let's, in in Bountiful? What's new in the Utah and all everything down there? You know, the air here is unbreathable. Oh, so yeah. we're all being suffocated, and we're all just looking forward to uh, to our bowl games mm -hmm. to Christmas, right? Nice. But you know, before before we jump into bowl game prep, because this is a football podcast. Yes. Um, let's recap. We haven't we haven't had a a, a show since the Pac-12 championship game. Oh, the, yeah, that's right. We got to talk a, about a brief, the Pac-12 championship brief two game. Minute, brief two-minute recap. So okay. I went. It was a lot of fun. There were a ton of Ute fans there. You couldn't really tell from the TV broadcast because it just showed the other side of the field. Yeah. But we had the entire other side, the two levels, the lower bowl and the mid bowl, mm -hmm. packed with Ute fans. There was 
probably close to twenty thousand Ute fans there, um, and there was there was a lot of a lot of red, so it was a lot of fun. Yeah. But dude, it was a terrible offensive showing. Neither team scored an offensive touchdown, as you know, and uh, it came down to one of the most fluky pick sixes of all time mm-hmm. to win that thing. And the, th- the funny thing is, is the way the offenses were going, the second they scored that touchdown, you just knew it was an insurmountable lead, like one touchdown in the yeah. third quarter, insurmountable yeah. lead. You just knew it. You just felt it. You felt it in the stadium. But, dude, the funny thing is I tell my brothers, man, that play, you run that exact play with that exact receiver and the, thro- the ball's thrown the exact same way. Hits his hands the exact same way a thousand times, nine hundred of them he catches it, ninety nine of them he drops it, it hits the ground, and one of them he drops mm-hmm. it, kicks it up in the air, perfect for the defender to pick off and run the other way. Yeah, if so, if, it was it was, was uh, kind of deflating. If you take the emotion out of it and say you don't care about Utah or Washington and watch that, you absolutely love plays like that. That's what makes this sport so exciting is that a a random moment can have so much of an impact. But then as a Utah fan, if you care about it, man, heartbreaker. It was. It was devastating. And you you looked at the receiver after the play and then after the game when the entire team came over to the Utah fans to sing the fight song because they do that win or lose. He just stayed on the bench with his head down. And you just uh, felt terrible for him because yeah. it sucks as a fan, but it sucks terribly as a player. Yeah. You know, you know, it was just heartbreaking for him. And there are a couple of you players that picked him up off the bench and walked with their arm around him back to the locker room. Mm-hmm. But it was it was pretty it was pretty bad. But it's, it's not he wasn't the only one that made mistakes in that game, and that was just a total fluke. We had so many dropped passes. There was one down the sideline mm-hmm. that would have put us on the ten yard line by Brian Thompson. It was. Over, throw it over the shoulder right in the bread basket and he fell to the ground mm-hmm. and dropped the ball. That would have put us on the 10-yard line, but no. There's one earlier in the game to Solomon Enos that was like uh, second in like 14 and it was like an 18-yard play and he caught it, but then he dropped it. That would have given a, extended the drive, had some momentum. It was just all game long, the offense couldn't yeah. get crap together. Their offense couldn't get a crap together. Um, it was if 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 it wasn't if I wasn't invested in it, I would have said it was a pretty boring game. You but know, I, I knew that we were one play away from a Rose Bowl, so it was intense, but it just sucked. Coming back to that, I I don't like when fans will nitpick and say this one play was the difference of the game. Even though you just barely said that, I'm not calling you out. I'm saying in general, <laughs> when I was in, uh, I believe it was seventh grade, I missed a layup. Right before halftime, I missed a layup, a wide open breakaway layup, nobody on me. And it's one of those, especially when you're young, you got the adrenaline, you're excited, you're like, man, I'm going to dunk this even though I'm in seventh grade. You know, and you just go up with too much energy, and I missed the layup, and we ended up losing the game by one point. You know, so of course I'm like, who misses yeah. a layup? And it would and and my brother told me after the game because he had much more basketball experience than me, and he'd been in those situations before. You can't accurately say that, even though mathematically that was the difference in the game. The flow of the game changes. The score yep. in the first half, you know, it, it doesn't. It all builds on itself. If you've got the ball with 30 seconds left and you're up three versus up one, you're going to approach that differently. Maybe not in that case, but you know, up one, down one. The uh-huh. the, the game builds on itself. Where you can't necessarily go back and say, "Oh, if only this would have happened, everything would have been great." And and I just see that yep. on Twitter way too much. As people will will go back and say, "Oh man, this is how close we were," and that's not always the case. Not always the case. And, and like, for example, if he had caught that pass rather than kicking it up into the air, uh-huh. you know, we would have been in field goal range. So let's say we don't get any more yards. We kick a field goal. It's 6-3 going into the fourth quarter. You never know how Washington would have played that, if they would have called right. a different offensive game uh, or what. So you don't know. Mm-hmm. But, it, it, I mean, it, it, it definitely kind of just killed everything at that yeah. point. Like, the emotion, the, the, the flow, it was... It was crappy. But I guess the reason you know I bring what? that up, if I were to talk to that receiver, that's what I would I would be the older brother who puts my arm around and says, Look, dude, I know you feel like this is on you, but it's not. You can't you can't as fans you yeah. can think like that. As as the person who messed up at that given point in time, you gotta get over it. You can't beat yourself up. And about there's that. there's lots of things that contributed to it. People yeah. will point to and uh, the the pass interference, non pass interference at the end uh-huh. of the game. And wit was hot, but oh, yeah. honestly, I, I can say this. If I were a Washington fan, I would say, no, it was a good close play. You don't call that. That's what I would say. You don't call that at the end of the game because you don't want the officials. I always feel like if the officials are going to mess up, yeah. I'd rather have them mess up not making a call versus making a call. You know what I'm saying? If it's right, questionable, right. I don't want to be, oh, they extended the game on a crappy call, whereas 
uh, they didn't call it, so the gate, you know, they, they let them play. I'd rather yeah. have them let them play. And they didn't call a ton of penalties in that game anyway, so I was kind of right. going with the flow of how they're calling the game. So I'm okay with it. I know a lot of people were upset. And you look at a picture, there's a picture where the ball, he's got his arm around him and the ball is uh-huh. still five feet away. And you could sure, you could say yes, pass interference, but honestly, in my opinion, and you, it's just, it was. It was close, and I wouldn't. I would have been upset either way. I'm, I'm with you. It wasn't egregious enough to warrant conspiracy theories from level-headed people. <laughs> and, right. and what I mean by that is, people people are going to say, "Oh yeah, the pack wants Washington out there. That's the bigger draw. It's the shot at the playoffs. All these little things, you know." And there are conspiracy theories out there, especially with the with way the Pac-12 has been managed lately. Uh, that's the thing. If he if he goes through him, levels him, and the ball gets there, and there's no flag, yeah, you start to say, "Hold on, what's going on?" But he didn't knock him down. The receiver still could have caught that, and and you don't expect him to because there was pass interference. But he could have, and the the defender he made a play on the ball, so it's within that realm of yeah, it was a bad non call, but it happens a lot. Yeah, and like I said, honestly, I said it before. I would rather them err on the side of keeping your flag in your pants, you know? For sure. I, I want them to let the players play and make plays, not – and I hate – and I say this all the time, but in college football now, it's honestly – you throw a long pass in college football, there's two There's two options. Mm-hmm. Either it gets – either the receiver catches it or it's pass interference. Yeah. Because any time there's an incomplete pass and it's thrown underthrown, guaranteed the flag comes out, and I hate that. Yeah, hate it's – I hate that, you know? it's It sucks. I feel like there are offensive coordinator and receiver tandems out there, and I'm not going to name names because I can't think of any off the top of my head, but they're the James Harden of college football <laughs> offense. That They're going to say, yeah. this is our bread and butter. We're going to throw it high, and the receiver, you know what? You know where the defender is? Lean into him a little bit. Initiate the contact. Not obviously initiate the contact, but you know, if you're running as fast as you can and you've got your defender scared and you lean into him a little bit, yeah, you're going to get tripped up. You're going to allow him to reach his arm up. Like you could really say, I'm going to focus my talents on being really, really good at getting pass interfered with. And uh-huh. just like James Harden of the NBA, I don't like that. That feels wrong. It feels like the sport is no longer as pure as it was meant to be. But you know what? If that's how you're going to you know, make your, you know who's good if, at doing if that's that. how you're going to get your bread, go get your bread that way. Yeah, you know who's good at doing that was Ken Scott for Utah was good about yeah. good at doing that himself. Uh-huh. I mean, he did that three or, when he played for the Utes three or four years ago. It was always he would always get a PI, and it was I mean it it was good, but yeah, I, I hate it. So just to kind yeah. of wrap up, put a bow on the Pac-12 title game, we were without Tyler Huntley the last three games. Yeah. We were without Zach Moss the last three games. Our two most important players. I felt like we're kind of living on borrowed time anyway. Mm-hmm. And then Covey goes down at the start of the second half. And, dude, it, just, it was just too much. Those are our three most important offensive players. I knew, we, you know, you can't have that kind of – that those kind of injuries and expect it to not eventually catch up to you. Because Shine, he's he's good, but he's not as good. Shelly, yeah. he's good, but in my opinion, he's not as good. And Covey was our best receiver. Once that all went down, I mean, I couldn't expect – I couldn't expect us to keep – winning you know so mm-hmm. overall finished season nine and four pretty happy with the way it went and uh yeah. and yeah that's it yeah it was a good season let's jump into our grading we uh okay. we have each done a little bit of legwork here showed up prepared for this podcast we're gonna go through position group coachings uh whatever we've prepared and uh kind of rattle off some grades and maybe a quick reason why so to maybe give you a jump off point thinking about Shelley and his performance this had surprised me Shelley actually faced two of the three toughest defenses that Utah faced all year. Did you know that? BYU and Washington, right? Yes, and who do, who do you think base, was the third toughest statistically speaking? And and I'm going to qualify everything I'm going to say here. S&P rankings account for strength of schedule. They account for garbage time. This isn't something that you can explain away and say, well, it was the MAC. That's a hint at who the third one is. Northern Illinois. <laughs> yes, Northern Illinois has a better defense than BYU, not as good as a defense of Washington, and those round out the top three defenses that Utah faced all year. And, and dude, the funny thing was, <clears throat> Northern Illinois was a terrible freaking game. Yeah. I mean, we won, barely. It was, I think it was 10-6, 10-7, uh-huh. 10-6, and Chase Hansen picked off a, a pass, uh, to a pick six to make it seventeen, but it was they had the ball four minutes left, down four, yeah, and they were going to start their drive, and I couldn't freaking believe it that we were going to lose to a MAC team. But yeah, their I, D, I their think, D was uh, pretty good. They they had they had Sutton Smith, who's an 
all-American defensive end, and he for made sure. our offensive line look silly. So, yeah, they had a good D for sure. Both the Utah and BYU games, I'm sure, went a very long way into boosting Northern Illinois' ranking because what S&P does is they look at how your team did against this team compared to how everybody else did against them. And then, I mean, it all, it's like a big puzzle. Everybody has their place where they fit. And those are two, I mean, we're doing a podcast about these teams. There are no slouches. And Northern Illinois shut down those offenses. So uh, they're legit. Yeah, they were they were good. So, all right, let's. So, uh, how did you break up your grades? I did offense, defense, special teams, coaching overall. Okay, um, and then I picked an offensive MVP and a defensive MVP. Okay. What did you do? Uh, I went through. I wrote way too much down, so we'll just kind of skim what I did. I did offense, rushing offense, passing offense, defense, rushing, passing D. Uh, Kalani, Grimes, Tuiaki, quarterbacks, receivers, running backs, tight ends, O line, D line, linebackers, and secondary. Oh, so you broke them down by position. Yeah. I can do that too. Yeah. I can do that. I, 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 well, let's do that. I can do that too. We'll go off the top of it. We'll, right. do, we'll do overall offense, defense, special teams, coaching, and then we'll go into position group because this is a football podcast and people want to hear us, man. Yes. You know? Yes. Okay. So let's start out. My uh, We'll go with coaching. Let's start there because that's kind of a hot button issue with, uh-huh. with the Cougars. I'll start with the Utes. I gave the Utes coaching staff overall – and this is hard to do because you have different coaches, offense, defensive coordinators, yeah. head coach. But I just did overall in mm-hmm. A minus. Nice. Uh, I gave him an A minus because Witt won the South, which has kind of been the monkey on our back. Yeah. Our defense was a top 15 defense, and our offense was in the top three scoring in the Pac 12. Mm-hmm. So I gave him an A minus, which, you know, if you compare it to our previous offenses, it could be an A plus. Yeah. But, you know, there's still room to improve, so I didn't want to give him a full A. Mm-hmm. So I give our, our coaches. And A minus. What about what about I like that. BYU? I gave Kalani and company overall a B. And and you're gonna see a theme of B's in my grading here. This is there's two ways you to go, are do you these Gordon, kind of are things. Are you are you Gordon B. Hinckley? I am Gordon B smart, Gordon B kind, B, plus B wonderful, B. Remember, remember his his talk about the B's, B smart, B kind, B That's how if you if, if you don't remember, why don't you Google? I do, I do. You know, yeah, yeah, I know it. No, I was thinking I you know how like people like Perez Hilton, whoever, I not, I don't even know who that is. Really, I know the name and I know that it's some, some stupid YouTuber, celebrity. Blogger. But it's like you take a famous name and tweak it a little, and that's your secondary celebrity name. So there should be some Mormon YouTuber out there, like "Welcome to Gordon B Plus Hinkley." <laughs> that, that's good. <laughs> I don't know if it is. I gotta come up with one, man. Jeffrey, are you are you there, Holland, man? Yeah. Are you with me, Holland? <laughs> Jeffrey, are you hollering? Um, <laughs> See, yeah, good, good times, good times. Okay, so, uh, so explain B, your, your solid B for B. the BYU coaches. Solid B, because we laid out the expectations at the beginning of the year. I said six and six in a bowl game, and I'm happy. And you know what? I'm happy. And if I'm a dad and my kid's working hard and they get a B, I'm happy. I could be mad about a B, you know, especially if the kid's kind of at their level of education where they're pushing themselves, whether that's college, graduate school, or high school, whatever they're meeting their their resistance on. A B shows a little bit of effort. A B shows, you know what? Can't you can't yell about a B, right? Unless you're some crazy yeah. high expectation coming from a culture of honor parent that just expects oh, I, way too I, much I of your children. I know a few parents that that could, will yell at bees. Yeah. Yes, they require. Yeah. Anyway, we'll not get on that. Table, I, yeah, so. yeah. We could, we could get in some dangerous territory there. I think they did a good yeah. job. I think they met my expectations. I'm holding back on the A because they were so close to exceeding my expectations. And you could point at coaching as the difference and saying, you know what, we were right there. An experienced coach, a coach that was just on the ball, could have got us there. But I'm not mad. Yeah, okay. So the funny thing is you, you six and six met your expectation, but it, they didn't get there the way that you thought they would. No. So it's kind of interesting because you had your you had your highs, man. You had you went into Wisconsin at the time that looked like one of the greatest wins right. in BYU history. Oh yeah. Honestly. And then you lose to Northern Illinois. Uh-huh. You know, so you didn't you didn't get there, then you lost to all your rivals. So mm. you didn't get there the way you thought, but you know, six and six, that's good. Yeah. Yeah, that's okay. Those those average out. That was an A plus moment, and that was a D F minus F plus moment. You know, losing to Northern yeah. Illinois. So yeah, they they average out. You gotta you can't just consider one and say this is why I feel this way. You gotta consider everything. Gotcha. Okay. Good. Good. So uh, let's go on to defense. Let's go with defense. Def- Great. I give my I give you to actually go BYU first. We need you to first. Okay. Defense. BYU, BYU defense overall. Oh, you know, I didn't. I broke it down too much, too many uh, different groups. I didn't give them an overall defensive grade, but I'm going to say A. 
I'm going to say this, the, the whole is greater than the sum of the parts because the position groups themselves didn't necessarily earn an A, but the defense got an A. This is why, looking into those S&P numbers, BYU had the 30th ranked defense in the country statistically, not very far behind Utah. Utah was actually at number 22 as far as their defense. So BYU is just a few slots behind there. I mean, if if Utah, if BYU were magically in the Pac-12, they would have been the fourth best Pac-12 defense. There would have been Washington, Cal, and Utah ahead of them, and then BYU. And that's, that's legit. That's pretty stout. So I'm going to say defense overall, you get an A. Curious, I, I don't know if you did this, but do you know what how how did you guys do against your the Pac-12 teams? Because you'd say if you threw in the Pac-12, you know what? How did you do defensively against the Pac-12 teams? Defense, you know, I didn't. Yes, look I, that I agree. Deep Obviously, if you, if you go if you go straight numbers, but yeah. then you know when you go in the Pac-12, you're playing Oregon instead of um, right. I don't know. Say, name a team, and you're playing. So it's a, it's uh, nine Pac-12 Idaho games. State. I wonder. I don't know how how it would change if yeah you were, if that's you what did. i'm saying though that's why i qualify the s&p they account for all those okay. things they're that's saying okay, okay even if you're playing uh utah state uh man that's bad because they're good this year even if you're playing i don't know some average mountain west team that how you did against that team compared to how everybody else did and how like what the expectations were so if byu was playing in oregon they still would have said okay how did byu do against them versus how everybody else did again they could have like gotcha. had oregon wipe the floor with them but if they still did a little bit better than Oregon's other opponents, they're going to get credit for that. So, so I kind of okay. like this one. Yeah, and, and maybe it's okay. not fair to say, well, like magically, this is what would have happened. But the statistics bear up that they have a good case for being at about that spot, you know. And then you see something today. We just see uh, Fresno State show up and just kind of take it to Arizona State and say, yeah, maybe things like that aren't really that that too crazy to to conceive of. Yeah, I saw a tw- I saw a t- Twitter interaction where. Bless his heart, and I love the guy. And uh-huh. actually, saw him today out in the real world. Uh, Mister on a box fox was so yes. upset about Arizona State losing. Oh, was he to to Fresno? And then another real life friend, Nick, light the use. Like, is it really that big a deal? The Mountain West champ is beating the sixth place team in the Pac twelve. We really like, that shocked about it, especially yeah. when this the sixth place Mountain West team best player wasn't even playing to kill Harry because mm-hmm. he, he didn't want to get injured. I mean, should we yeah. really be shocked by that at this point? I mean, that's not a big deal, really. It's a good Fresno State team against yeah. a middle-of-the-road Pac-12 team that really wasn't that shocking. And it yeah. was a close game, too, so it wasn't like a blowout. And then uh, Kyle Wysoup, my man, he, mm-hmm. he chimed in and said he agreed with Nick also. And I agree. I don't think it's that big a deal mm-hmm. that a Mountain West, the, the best Mountain West team, the champ, took down the middle-of-the-road right. ASU team. I don't think it's that big a deal. Right. Anyway, um, so as far as my grade for the Utes on defense, and I'm just using total defense numbers. You're using S and P adjusted. Mm-hmm. I'm using the act, the total defense. The Utes were ranked the 15th overall total defense. Okay. In the NCAA's, and uh, I give them an A plus. Okay. Because a they're a top 15 defense. B they had a superstar on defense, Chase Hansen, who was just all over the field at all times. Yeah. Sacks, tackles for losses, interceptions, huge, huge player, uh, huge playmaker. And they just had playmakers all over the field. We had uh, probably the best cornerback in the Pac-12, in my opinion, Jalen Johnson. Mm-hmm. We had the best linebacker. Well, I mean, one of the best linebackers with Chase because the guy at, Wa- at Washington, Ben Burkirvin, he's really good. Uh, yeah. Chase Hansen, we had mm-hmm. awesome safe. We had playmakers all over the field. Right. Uh, they they had Sack Lake City returned. We had the Pac twelve leading sack guy mm-hmm. um in Robert in Bradley and I. And so with all those numbers, the fact that we won the South and in the championship game we held the North Champ scoreless, I give us an A plus on defense. Nice. I like it. Um does did you take a closer look at your numbers on rushing defense versus passing defense and kind of where was the strength, where was the weakness? Uh, I did not, but you know we have this handy dandy what's called intranet. Right? <laughs> I'm already there, and but so I'm there with a different set of numbers. Okay, uh, I am pulling it up, and uh, Utah's rushing defense, if you can believe it, is top five. Nice, boom! Total defense or rushing defense in the NCAA's uh-huh. number five behind Michigan State, A and M. Clemson. I mean, those are good teams, dude. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. So our rushing D is always good, which doesn't surprise me. So uh, yeah, right. pretty pretty impressed with our with our defense this year. Yeah, 
Yeah, I like that. Uh, S&P had Utah's rush D at 12 and their pass D at 30. So, And that's kind of where you get the average of 22 uh, for those two numbers. Yeah. So, okay. yeah, which is both good. Yeah. So I wonder, you know, as I stall some more and pull up the passing D, um, mm. I'm going to go ahead and check out, you know, uh, I guess it's – never mind. It's my computer, stupid technology. I'm anyway, going okay. to flow right so, into the answer that our listeners are wondering right now. If if Utah's rush D was at twelve and pass D was at thirties, where was BYU's rush D and pass D? Uh, you know, I'm gonna say BYU's rush D was number. Um, let's see, I'm gonna say number twenty five. Okay. That that's total. That's rush defense. You know, based on these NCAA numbers. Okay. The rushing defense was at twenty five. Okay, and I don't then where, know would, where would you where would you put their pass D? So remember, on the S and P, their overall is thirty. So the Russian pass need to sort of average out somewhere in between, like well, one above, if, one I below mean, thirty. Yeah, well, and it'd be, it'd be thirty-five then, based on that. But yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I don't know what they have it. What is it? This blew my mind. Their rush D was at thirty-two, which I, that's fine. So their total defense is at thirty. BYU's passing defense was eighteen. Oh, really? Their passing defense exceeded their rushing defense statistically, which is why that's going to segue me right into I gave BYU secondary an A plus because at the beginning of the season I said out loud that's my concern. I worry if we're going to get burned left and right by athletic receivers they are going to be blown by us, and that happened once or twice. But that wasn't a theme of the year. And then when you add on top of that the injuries and the setbacks they dealt with, which every team has that. But when you look at a position group and say, I worry about them, I think we're thin, and then you start to lose one or two of your playmakers, and you still finish out the season saying, all right, number 18 in the country, according to the S&P rankings, that BYU has has exceeded most of these other teams with all their setbacks and with my doubts at the beginning, I'm going to look at that and say, you know what? I thought you were going to flunk algebra, and and here you did okay, so I'm going to give you a milkshake even though maybe you weren't (laughs) exceptional, but in my mind you were. Right? There you go, dude. Adjusted it for um, what your expectations are. I like it. That's why my dad should be proud of me because my expectation, I should not be successful. My expectations, all my brothers are doctors and lawyers, Uh and I don't have those degrees. Yeah, but you've got a podcast. Extra proud. Yeah, a podcast. (laughs) Exactly. They don't. Okay, so we've done coaching, defense. Okay, offense. I'll go first. Okay. Uh, actually, you go first. You go first on the offense while I see if this internet is working so I can pull up my numbers. Offense, I'm going to say C minus overall. And this is where I think on the defense, I said the sum is greater or the uh, whole is greater than the sum of the parts. Uh, it's going to work in reverse on the offense. Individual groups, I think, did okay. Overall, as the offense, we were 84 in the S&P, and that's far below the expectations of even the average fan. We got to be, especially when you look at a program like BYU, where historically we got that bread on offense. You know, and here we are completely having the defensive, hard-nosed, former Utah identity with Kalani Satake and the attitude he brought over from there. And that's fine, but, man, we, we just – the thing is, we're close. And I feel like 84 is the low watermark for the next three years. If they do worse than 84 in any of the next three years, major changes need to happen because you can feel it. You can sense it. We're young. We're clicking. People are coming back. So we got to be better than 84. So what did I say? C minus? C minus. Yep. No yeah. milkshake. For me, for yeah, no milkshake. That, that milkshake doesn't bring any boys to the yard at 84, <laughs> right? So right. for me, dad dad jokes. Uh, for me, <laughs> I gave the Utes, and this is where the numbers don't really back it up, I guess, kind of looking. I gave the Utes offense an A minus, okay? Mm-hmm. And, and part of the reason is is because we've been ranked in the 100s for t- scoring yeah. offense and total offense the last four several years and we always said I always told people if you paired even an average offense with our freaking defense we'd win the Pac-12 South and so we had the number 67 overall scoring offense uh-huh. in the NCAA which is average yeah by def- definition but compared to previous years right it was much better and so I gave him an A minus uh-huh. and part of it is is because before Tyler Huntley got injured we were freaking rolling on offense. Yeah. We had the month of October yeah. where we blew out Stanford at Stanford. Mm-hmm. We freaking blew out Arizona. We blew out USC. We blew out UCLA. All games we scored more than 40 points, mm-hmm. and we were putting up, putting on a show from Britton Covey 
double passes to touchdowns to Tyler Huntley to, um, you know, just just nice passing touchdowns to Nakua against Stanford mm-hmm. to Zach Moss rumbling for two hundred plus yards. Yeah, the offense was clicking then, and so by uh, when we, when Huntley got injured. It, it, and then the way it ended with our three points in the in the uh, championship game, I think that dropped our numbers a bit. Yeah. But overall, versus expectations, and I have that memory of them lighting it up in October. I gave them an A minus, and I'm sticking with it. It's like you said earlier, you know, when you, your expectations with your passing defense, mm-hmm. and they exceeded them, so you gave them a milkshake. Right. Milkshake for the offense. Yeah. Milkshakes all around. A minus. I still think one of the most impressive things I've ever seen from a team I've followed, and and it was kind of fun, honestly, following the Utes this year a little more closely than I normally do. Well, you can you can join us. Season tickets, tweaking it. Oh yeah, yeah. Change your name to the Loons. I'm there. <laughs> Inside Twitter joke. <laughs> if, yeah, I love Loons. I could we could switch <laughs> gears right now. I could spend the next 20 minutes talking about the Loon. The common Loon okay. is an animal. Let let's let's trade 30 seconds then. If the Utes drop their name and if the Cougars drop their name, what would you want to go by? Loons? Oh, man, if the Cougars drop them too? Uh, Loon, I like Loon, but the problem is Loons don't live anywhere in that region, so Loon wouldn't make any sense. But I like it. Like maybe for a team from Minnesota. I like Loons a lot. That's one of my favorite animals of all time. Um, Okay. Let me think of a native uh, around Utah. Shoot, Cougar's already perfect, but um, yeah, if we got to change something else, I don't know. Eagles are good, but there's a lot of eagles in football. A lot of eagles. I wasn't yeah, prepared for this eagles. question. I'm gonna I'm gonna think about that. Um, okay. For I me, do like the hawk for Utah, but you you go ahead and say if is that what you would pick? Well, I mean, Red Hawk would be an easy transition because yeah, our mascot and our wings and the you know it would be easy. But no, I would love to go with the Utah Moose because yeah, there's okay. no there's no other team that's moose. Uh-huh. No other team. Not a single team that's moose. Yeah. It'd, it'd be easy to transition from go Utes to go moose at the end yeah. of the song, you know? Um, and then throwing up the U, boom, yeah. look at this. Yeah. No, this isn't. this doesn't work for podcast. You throw up the U, <laughs> you throw up all your fingers, boom, moose horns. And you put it on your forehead. Boom, moose horns. Go and, moose. Dude. Yeah, so that's it, Moose. That was who I go with. Okay. Yeah. Now we're off that sidetrack. No, no, no. We gotta keep. We gotta uh, keep talking about the Moose for a minute because. Okay. uh, One more thing on that. You could have like two mascots. You could have the live in-stadium animal, which I love when teams do that. Yeah, I love. Screw you, Peta. I love the animals in the stadium, dude. Agreed. I saw the Washington Huskies do that. No one complains about that. Dude, well look at look at the Buffaloes. That's one of the coolest things. Yeah. Traditions. Yeah. When they run that beast out. Uh huh. Yeah. That'd be cool, Moose. Yeah, and then moose. you could have your your Bucky Bullwinkle cartoon. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Dude. Rocky and Bullwinkle. Hey, Rocky, watch yeah, Rocky me pull a touchdown yeah. out of my butt. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Okay, Can back moose. to our grades. What were we on next? We we did offense, defense, coaching, special teams. I don't know if you got special teams grade, but I do. And uh, my grade for special teams is a B minus. Okay. And here's the reason I give him a B minus because we had. Returning Lou Groza, a winner. Uh-huh. We had a, a Ray Guy winner, yeah. and we had a freshman All American punt returner, Britton Covey, back. You uh-huh. know, I might even change it to a C plus, to be honest with you. Okay. Because we didn't have a single return for a touchdown all okay. year. And the other two guys underperformed. I, and I say that, okay, I say the caveat because Matt Gay hit like 20 something in a row. Okay. Right? But he started off the season shaky. He missed two out of three, I think. Yeah. Um, and then Wishnowski didn't have his best year ever. Plus, there were a ton of special teams miscues, fumbled punts. We had a like, blocked punt or two, I think. Uh-huh. And we, I think we fumbled three punts. So overall, special teams, for what I expected them to be, I expected them to be the greatest special teams of all time just because, like I said, yeah. grows a winner. Guy winner, never been on the same team ever in the history of college football, and then a returning freshman All-American punt returner in Covey, and uh, not, they they underperformed based on my expectations. So C-plus is my grade for special teams. I think we share the same frustration, but I'm going to add to it for BYU fans. So we share the same frustration. Nothing exciting happened for BYU on special teams all year. You know, It was just kind of like it just happened. They went out there. They uh, and I take that back. There was a couple like muffed returns that the BYU recovered, things like that. But but nothing as far as our return teams. I mean, it was just kind of we were there and, and stuff happened. The frustration that I feel, and this is just a theory because I haven't looked at the numbers. 
I don't think BYU's special teams did the offense or defense any favors when you look at the numbers and what the other teams got out of their special teams, and that's what you want the most. And that's what I feel like Utah did well, is they consistently were able to give their offense and defense better field position. And if your special teams can do that for you, that's good enough. Just make the game a little bit easier for the offense, a little bit easier for the defense. And so, man, BYU's I was frustrated with because it just I got this feeling that it just maybe wasn't emphasized in practice. Now, with that in mind, they got a lot of stuff to work on. Maybe it's easy for me to second guess and say more practice time needs to go here. And maybe if they do that, they're dropping passes and throwing pick sixes and maybe everything else goes south. So I could be being too hard on them, but that's kind of the way I see it. Gotcha. Okay. So uh, last categories I have are offensive MVP, defensive MVP, overall grade and then best win and worst loss so that's five more so okay uh, where do you want to go next um yeah anywhere i'm gonna have to think about the best win and worst loss i haven't thought about that okay well we'll we'll, we'll go with we'll start with offensive mvp then okay my offensive mvp i had three guys that really were the keys here okay um the two i didn't choose i didn't choose tyler huntley although he could have been because he had an incredible october he really had a moment in the Stanford game that, as I said in our previous podcast, changed the season mm-hmm. where he broke out of a tackle and found Samson Nakua for a, a long touchdown. Mm-hmm. He had a good year. I could have said Britton Covey. Um, he's who I put second because he was our utility guy. Mm-hmm. He only had one touchdown on offense this year. Well, he threw a touchdown, and then um, and then I think he threw two touchdowns. He had two touchdown passes. Yeah. Uh, and then and then one receiving against USC. So he didn't have a ton of touchdowns, but he was our utility guy that would always get big yards when we needed it. Uh-huh. Little swing plays that turned into 25-yard gains, and he was just reliable, dependable. But the offensive MVP, Zach Moss, uh-huh. beast. Every time he touched the ball, he was breaking dudes' necks, and he was on track. If he came back his senior year, he'd blow away the all-time rushing leader at Utah. He's like 400 yards behind the all-time leader or something. Is he, he coming if he had back a really for his strong, senior year? He hasn't announced yet. He's hinted at it, okay. which got everyone kind of excited. Yeah, I've seen some of that. he hasn't officially announced. Okay. Yeah, he hasn't officially announced. If he does come back and he stays healthy, he'll by far and away be our all-time leading rusher yeah. of all time. No doubt. And and he... Dude, he's just he he got us tough freaking yards. Yeah. We needed it. He was never brought down on the first the first the first guy to touch him, uh-huh. and it was just awesome. So Zach Moss, offensive MVP, even though he missed our last four games with yeah. his knee injury, I still give it to him. I I was thinking about this earlier today. Sometimes when I'm driving around and it's just you know you get in that zone where you're just daydreaming when you're in traffic, and I was thinking about. The Jamal Williams and Joe Williams, not even rivalry or feud, the two didn't even care about each other, but the fans would step up to bat for them all the time. Numbers are very, very similar. Joe Williams ended up getting draft like just barely ahead of Jamal, like within a few spots, yeah, right? Same round. Yeah. yeah. Same round. And so you got these two where it's like you could make a case for each of them, and I still feel like Joe Williams better built for the college game. Jamal Williams has the body and the style of an NFL running back, and, and time has sort of proved that out where Jamal's out making a name for himself and, and Joe I'm not sure if he's still on a team or not. Um, now, that with that in mind, Zach Moss is probably the best NFL-built body and running style and game style that I've seen come through the state of Utah. I mean, this guy is NFL-ready. He's a beast, yeah. Yeah. He's, he's just built, dude. You look – I mean – there's a picture that circulated before the season started uh, mm. of his thighs yeah. as he's walking <laughs> off the field. And, dude, they're freaking massive. Yeah. And his neck, dude, his neck, honestly, what it looks like, when when you go, when I go boating or whatever and I wear a life jacket yeah. and you see your reflection in, on the ground and you have these huge traps, yeah, your, yeah. your life jacket, that's what it looks like. It looks like he's wearing a life vest <laughs> yeah. underneath his shirt because he's freaking ripped. But, yeah, I, I love that guy. If he comes back, look the crap out next year, Utah football. All right. You know, with everybody coming back. But we won't get into that until the next episode. No, because so we have something else important to tell you that has to do with that. When you – and this will change your world and you'll thank me for it. When you look at a picture of a really buff bodybuilder guy with his shirt off, you, you just need to mentally imagine that you're not actually seeing one like buff guy – 
but a, a normal guy coming out of the body of a huge guy, and the traps are actually the normal sized guy's shoulders. And you could see it, and you could be like, whoa, those are like tiny shoulders that's like emerging from this huge muscular shoulders. And it's the <laughs> trippiest thing. And consistently, when you see some built guy, you can see that. You'd be like, that's actually a guy like like a cocoon of a, a larvae of a man coming out of his old shell. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll Google <laughs> bodybuilders when we're done Do here. That. Spend, spend a few hours looking at. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, what about uh, who am I grading Offensive right now? MVP Offensive MVP is oh. Zach Wilson, and is not. I don't want to say it's not close. There were a lot of great no offensive brainer. players. Yeah. No brainer. The reason being, the season hinged on that decision. Grimes, I, I don't think keeps his job if he keeps Tanner the rest of the way, and the season continues spiraling. The players keep showing up without purpose, and to put that much play, pressure on a true freshman. And to have him not completely mess it up, you're automatically MVP there. And then to have him, in addition to not mess it up, actually look like you belong, look, get us excited to watch you again next year, I mean, that was great. And so that when you look at the pressure that was put on him, I'm going to say he's, he's our offensive MVP by far. Okay. Yeah. Uh, is he is he um, is he a Mormon or excuse me, sorry, President Nelson, is he a <laughs> member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints? He is. He is. You know? Is he going to go on a mission? He is not planning a mission he trip. He should. He really should. He really should. Yeah, you can really grow out there and serve the people of wherever. He should go. Just go and then This totally reminds um, me of an interaction we had long before our podcast, you and me. And you were talking about Elder Covey. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. <laughs> and and this is me. I'm going to name drop right here. I haven't I haven't used this all year. Holy cow. This is like my biggest name drop I could do. I personally know Morgan Scally. Now, he probably forgot about me because he knows a lot of other people that he's met in between then and now. Yeah. But when I showed up in the mission field as a 19-year-old, bright-eyed, eager, gospel-preaching Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saint member in Germany, he was an AP. He was uh, one of the two really? leaders in our mission, and he was there at the airport, and he was there with the orientation and everything. And then my first city was his first city, so I went out and was able to see him do his work and preach a little bit. And that guy was a good missionary. And honestly, knowing that side of him, when I saw him go from secondary coach to defense coordinator and, and kind of rise in the ranks, I knew I, I've seen him teach. And I can only imagine how well that guy can recruit. He is charismatic. He's funny. He's committed. Like, on a personal level, I feel like he does more for Utah than people realize just when they look at the X's and O's and what he does there. That guy is building the program. It does not surprise me he was an AP. He seems, when you listen to him, like he was an AP. Not that APs are, you know... This was hearts, here's right? another funny memory I had of him. He's a so at the time he was a running back. He freshman year before his mission was a running back goes on the mission, then gets converted to the secondary by I don't know if it was Urban Meyer or Whittingham or whoever, but switches um, positions. He it was I think yeah it was Whittingham because he was he played under McBride yeah for a year or two before mission. Anyway, he's the guy Scally had some pretty decent thighs on him as well at that point time. And I remember him like squatting down one time and totally ripping his suit. He was just like, Oh, I did it again. And here I am just like, that's normally something that happens to fat guys, right? Like we've been down. We're like, Oh, I ripped my suit. He's not fat. He's just, he doesn't fit suits like the rest of us. Anyway. Well, that's cool. That's, that's a, that's a cool background. So, so you and I were talking about elder Covey possibly going on a mission and you're like, yeah, I don't think he should. And I'm like, Oh, I know his defensive coordinator. I trust me. I think he's going to, whatever, like encourage him in the right path. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Well, Hey, it didn't, you know, Covey came back just as good he did. as he did before he left. He came back and he was ready and he's going to have, once he gets over these knee injuries, I hope it doesn't affect his, his quick twitchiness. Right. He's going to have a couple monster years. Okay. Defensive yeah. MVP. You go first. Defensive MVP. You know, if you would have asked me mid season or earlier, I would have said Sione Takitaki. Um, you know, he, he put his heart out there. He had a lot of great games. He, he's got himself a highlight reel. He's going to the league, but it's got to be Kafusi. The way he finished out the season, the way he left it all out on the field till the wheels fall off. I mean, talk about putting your heart and soul. And then here's another cool thing. At the Washington game, watching that, I'm sitting there, and this fan right behind me is like, what's up with number 90? And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, what's up with him? And I'm like, well, what do you mean? He's like, look at him. And I was like, oh. 
yeah, let me tell you about that. You know, and I was able to tell him yeah. all about who Corbin Kafusi is. I mean, this guy's a beast. This guy, if he can stay healthy, is going to have not just an NFL career, a great NFL career. I mean, he's got the size. He's got the speed. He was all over the field. It felt like he got better as the season progressed. So uh, yep. love him for defensive MVP. I was super impressed with him against uh, against Utah. He was all over the field. Yeah. As far as Utah goes, he had the candidates I mentioned. Jalen Johnson, he uh, four picks as a sophomore. He's going to be an NFL cornerback for sure. Um, Cody Barton at linebacker had an awesome year at linebacker. Uh-huh. He was kind of the heart and soul of the defense. Bradley Anai, Pac-12 sack leader, mayor of Sack Lake City. Yeah. But there's the obvious choice is Mr. Brother Chase Hansen mm-hmm. because he was – This is, I think this is his first season where he's been healthy all season. Yeah. His freshman year, he broke his leg. He had separated shoulder issues. He had wrist issues his junior, sophomore and junior year, and he was fully healthy all year, and he was a freaking beast. Yeah. He had an explosion to get in the backfield that was that I haven't seen a Utah linebacker ever have, mm-hmm. and I mean that. He could, he could hit the right hole and then wrap a dude up four yards behind the line of scrimmage, mm-hmm. throw him down, get up, and punch his face mask was kind of his signature move like boom and he was just he was the heart and soul dude yeah he was making plays he's big time interceptions like i said the pick six against niu he had a pick against usc where he tipped it up dove Mm -hmm. caught it he led he was just he was awesome so chase hansen without a doubt defensive mvp he could have been pac-12 defensive player of the year but the guy at Washington was also really good. He yeah. had a case for both of them. Either one of them deserved it. But yeah, Chase Hansen, defensive MVP, no doubt. I like Chase Hansen. He reminds me of a creation of Bronco Mendenhall from way back in the day. Do you, if I say the term Lobo back, do you know what I mean when I say Lobo back? Yeah, uh, yeah, it's uh, Brian Erlacher. Brian Erlacher, right? an initial a Lobo back. a linebacker who's able to play safety. You know, he's so versatile; he can be all over the field. And that Brian, uh, Bronco Mendenhall, the defensive coordinator at New Mexico, was kind of the he looked at that and said, "We've got this freak athlete. Let's use him every way we can." There you get Brian Erlacher, and he goes on to have a prestigious NFL career. I see the same thing yep. for Chase Hansen. I think he's, I could too, dude. he's adaptable. He's going to adapt to the league, to the different demands and challenges there. I think he's got a great future. I do too. He's he's tough. He's got the speed that it's needed. Also, dude, he's just a freaking freak athlete. Yeah. I remember going – I mean, he, he played basketball for Lone Peak. Mm-hmm. He, when I went to the state, the, the title game when he was the quarterback at Lone Peak, he was the best quarterback I had seen in high school ever. He was slinging it. He's just a freak, dude. He's one of those guys that's just blessed with so much talent, yeah. and he works hard. He's humble, no doubt, defensive MVP. Okay, for sure. before we do our overall grade, let's do best win and worst loss. I'll start best win. Right. It came down to two games for me. Uh, either Stanford or Oregon. Both teams finished with eight wins, so they're both good teams. Yeah. Um, and both both had reasons why. Utah against Stanford, road game. We had just lost two in a row. We were 0-2 in conference, and we manned up, and we had a huge win and blew them out, which changed the course of the season. And then Oregon, our first game after Tyler Huntley and Zach Moss are out. Mm-hmm. It's at home. We come out with a freshman quarterback. And then in the fourth quarter, we they they drive they block the punt and take the lead, and we're down. And our freshman quarterback leads us down the field for a touchdown, which saved our Pac-12 South season. So that's what's giving it the edge for me. It was in November. Yeah. We were without our starting quarterback, without our start our MB, offensive MVP on Zach Moss. We were down in the fourth quarter. We had the November curse, and boom, our freshman quarterback manned up, mm-hmm. had a huge. 40-yard pass downfield to Jalen Dixon and then ran it in to give us the win. So I said the, the win against Oregon was our biggest win of the year. I, I like that because it has to do with a point I want to make on BYU's, and that is this. you As the season goes on, well, it's not exactly the same point, but as the season progresses for Utah and as a Utah fan, you've got your goals and you've got your expectations, what you want to do, and with each subsequent week, that pressure builds and builds and builds. So even though the Stanford win was likely more impressive in and of itself, if you're just analyzing the game, game A versus game B, the Oregon win meant more. You know, there was a lot more pressure on at that point in time. So, yep. Yeah. Plus, plus we were wearing Oregon's black and red helmets. 
for him in your face. We said, boom, we're going to wear your version of your wing helmets oh, yeah, against the wings. you. <laughs> and uh, did it against Oregon. I saw That's a funny right. tweet that I didn't want to laugh at by some BYU fan that said, I can't wait till next week and the Utes break out their Buffalo helmets yeah, against yeah. Colorado. <laughs> that was pretty good. That but anyway, awesome. yeah, so that, that was a big Do win. You know, so your, if you pay attention your? to okay, – okay, this is a good tangent. Holy cow. This is something i got to get off my chest for the past, like, 25 years. <laughs> You, wow! Well, this is the moment, huh? This is building for twenty five. I'm gonna act awesome. like I'm gonna act like this is like me losing, like losing it. I played. I went to a high school where a mascot was the bees, right? And and we're bees. And so, what do bees do? They sting people. But how many times do we show up at an opponent and they've made some poster that's like, okay, let's go, Mustangs, sting the bees. Nothing stings a bee. The bee does the stinging. You don't look at a bee and you're like, I'm going to sting you, especially if you're a stupid horse, Mountain Crest. Like, yeah. <laughs> Dude, I'm so glad you're able to save that fi- for this. Finally. That's, that was awesome. Been holding that in, been bottled up. No, uh, the reason that's like, it would be just awesome for Utah to take on the identity of everyone they play. Like, all right, let's yeah, go quack at the ducks and, we, and we're ducks yeah. this week. So. Yeah, that is. That, you know what? I want to do that. If if we have to drop the Utes, yeah. forget the Moose. Let's just be twelve mascots <laughs> that year. <laughs> the team we're playing have a different helmet for each team and just mimic whatever their yes. uniform is. We just do it black and red version. The Utah that's Trojans, the, the Utah Ducks versus, or the Utah Buffaloes, or the Utah Huskies. Sun I Devils. like it, dude. Yeah, yeah, that's good. All right, so who's your best win? Go for it. Best win, and this is why they're sort of related. The the Oregon win meant more for Utah, so that's why it wins because of the meaning behind it. We love sports for moments. You know, we, we can look back and really get into the nitty gritty and say, well, the season was this or the season was that, and that's what we're doing in this episode. But when you live for the moments, how do I say this? It's not the number of snaps you take, but the number of snaps that take your breath away, right? Oh, that's precious. If you're a, that is I'm precious. trying to adapt it to football. Life is about the moments. Anyway, that moment, that day, that Wisconsin win is a moment that if you can bottle up that moment, it's legendary. This goes down top 10 BYU history in that moment. And so I love that. It's not even close. That that was a phenomenal win. It was a demonstrative win. It was not a fluky win. It was a great, solid win that I loved. Now, the rest of the season, yeah, there were some sucky moments, but that one, man, Bless that day. That was a good moment. Yeah. So. Yeah. Funny, the funny thing about Wisconsin is obviously they didn't end up as a top ten team. They mm. finished, I think, seven and five, right? Mm. And they went on a streak where they were kind of kind of poor in the middle. Of the year. I saw a, a tweet from a Wisconsin fan. I don't know how I came across it, uh-huh. but it was later on after they started getting kind of back on track. Yeah. They beat Purdue, and and you know how people always tweet, "We want Bama." Yeah. Right. Yeah. He he tweeted, "We want BYU again." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's I'm, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah, that's okay. Funny. All worst, right. Worst loss. Worst loss. Worst loss a few weeks later, the loss to Northern Illinois. And the reason is the emotions involved in that. That was a frustrating time when you're saying this was not supposed to be that way. You know, if we suddenly we beat Wisconsin that everybody had circled as a loss, everybody, then you'd say, holy cow, six and six is no longer the, the expectation. Our expectations are now adjusted. It's seven, five. It's eight and four. We're going to win games we shouldn't win. At that point in time, Wisconsin was the best team on our schedule. And so you look at that and say, all right, we're never losing again. Let's go ahead and book our flights to Seattle, which some of us did. (laughs) Yeah. You know, so Northern Illinois, and even though they're not that bad of a team, the emotion, I mean, that's kind of where it all came together. It was like, man, something's got to change. It was low scoring, too, wasn't it? It wasn't a low scoring game. Yeah. Well, so those games are always even more frustrating because it's like nobody can do anything. Very winnable. The win was within our reach. The offense was just frustrating, anemic, really hard to watch. So those are the those are the days. If if we live for those moments, like beating Wisconsin, those are the ones that just make you say, you know, let's let's not be football fans anymore. Let's just like get into Minecraft or something. Let's do. Let's go to raves. Yeah, yeah, back to raves again. Okay, for Utah, this was easy. We had three regular season losses, nine and three. Mm. I won't say the the Pac-12 championship game because that wasn't the title game, and it's just good to be there. So of our three losses, we lost at Washington State, who was an awesome team, but we didn't know it at the time. We lost – I mean, they were in the top ten, knocking on the playoff door. If it wasn't for a snowstorm, they could be in it. Um, And we lost that game on a freaking fluke. Yeah. 
ah, play call. Then I look back where Covey returned a punt for a touchdown. Replay showed. We talked about it. I didn't freaking touch him. Anyway, yeah. so that was one loss. Other loss was Washington. Mm. So two top 15 teams. And the third loss, easy, at Arizona State. They yeah. beat us handily 41-21 to 21 or something. Uh-huh. We lost our quarterback, lost our running back, lost all of our momentum. And it was just a crushing, yeah. devastating loss. At that time, at that point, I thought the South was over mm-hmm. because Arizona State – could win out. Um, we lost our quarterback and running back. I had already booked my flights to the Pac-12 title mm, game, mm-hmm. and it was devastating. Yeah. Um, so yeah, worst loss, no doubt, Arizona State. That's sure. that's the Screw one. Those guys. You know what? I really should be a Utah fan for the sake of other Utah fans. That's the one game of Utah's all year. I didn't watch a single play. My my okay. nephew my nephew was getting married that day, so I kept checking my phone, and I'd be like, "Whoa, Utah's losing. Whoa, they're still losing." And then I'm like. Whoa, Huntley's out, you know, and so I was just kind of updating my brother-in-law, who's a huge Utah fan, and like kind of keeping tabs on everyone else who cares. But, uh, but yeah, I didn't watch a single play, and uh, I would imagine that was a nightmare to watch. It sucked. I mean, we we started out there. Were, there were, dude. I just I always remember. I I don't know why I remember fluke plays, but this was another one. We're down seven nothing. Huntley throws like this fifty-yard bomb right on the money to Jalen Dixon at the one yard line. He stumbles right as the ball gets to him and it bounces off his face mask right into the Arizona State receivers uh, defender's hands and he runs it back to the like 60 yards back to the 40. Mm -hmm. So like it would have been if he didn't stumble. He just stumbled right at the wrong time. He was open by five yards at the one yard line. It was perfectly thrown. He catches that at Uh 7-7 and who knows what happens like you said because it changes the whole game. But anyway terrible loss i was angry that whole night we went to this function downtown the cystic fibrosis auction dinner because uh-huh. my good friend's wife has cystic fibrosis mm. we went down there and i was just in, angry the whole time and it was terrible were you angry but bidding anyway. on options you're like raising your hand like 500 <laughs> no no it was it was a silent so you write it down and oh gotcha it gotcha and find out if you want yeah but- <laughs> Anyway, bouncing okay, off the so, face marks remind me of one of my favorite BYU memories, and this is this is because I'm a weirdo. You know, you think my favorite memories are like beating Miami and all that, and that was cool. But as a kid watching football, the little things stick with you. Steve Sarkeesian once threw the ball so hard it stuck into, and I can't remember if it was a, uh, it might have been Jabal Williams or Brian McKenzie, someone. It stuck into the running back's face mask. He threw the ball and it just got wedged in there into where he ran in the end zone, it was a touchdown, and everything, and then he was sitting there and like couldn't give the ball back to the ref because that thing was stuck. And I was like, man, That's that is awesome. Like, find that for me. Yeah. See if you can find that. I want to see that. Yeah, yeah, I'll look for okay, it. Okay, lastly, lastly, overall grade, and then we'll do a brief because we're already running close to an hour. People are probably bored. That's right. So we'll do a, an overall grade and then a brief, brief, brief preview of the bowl game. Okay. Our bowl games, and then we'll we'll wrap up. So overall grade, all that's said and done, we've been wanting this South title forever. We've mm-hmm. been so close where we've had screw-ups and we've choked it away. Uh, considering the fact that we lost our quarterback, lost our best running back, um, and, and still with a freshman quarterback was able to pull through and win the South and finish 9-3, and three, I give this overall season an A-. Um, okay. And if they if they win their bowl game and win ten games, a ten game season that's a great great season. I was looking at a stat earlier, like ten games ten game win seasons in the last forty years. Utah's had I think seven. Um, in in their third in the Pac twelve, Washington's had like ten. USC's had fourteen, I believe. So mm-hmm. it doesn't happen often. Yeah. So a ten game win season would be great. So I give yeah. them an A minus uh, overall. Okay, I like it. I'm giving BYU a B plus. As so goes with the team, as goes with Kalani, whatever. I didn't mess that all up. Kalani gets a B plus. The team gets a B plus, And I'm basing that off of my excitement to see this team next year. There's no reason they shouldn't be better. Actually, I take that back. Two little reasons they won't be better. They're losing two of their best defensive players. That being said, the defense over-exceeded expectations, so the defense can afford to slack just a little bit. The offense should improve significantly. I expect this team to be better next year, and I'm excited to watch them again next year. If the season were ending a different way where I was saying, eh, eh, next year might be the same, might be worse, then then they'd get a little bit worse of a grade. But as a fan, they've convinced me to buy in, to stay tuned, to keep watching, to invest myself and all the other whatever slogans you want to come up with and put on T-shirts. I like this team. And and they've Quest for Perfection yes. 2019. Oh my goodness, I saw that shirt. This man, I'm just getting too many tangents here. On Instagram, I've I've got a 
I've got followers all over the world on Instagram. Like literally every country except North Korea, I have at least one follower from. And so sometimes I'll just be cruising through my stories and browsing. And this dude's in South America and he's got a t-shirt that's like quest for perfection. So I respond and I'm like, yeah, go Cougars. And he writes back, he's like, what? Or like K, you know? <laughs> or like, yeah, I mean, he, I don't know if he spoke English very well. But I was like, your shirt. He's like, oh yeah, a friend gave this to me. And it was like a missionary that was down there. It was like these, these quest for perfection. <laughs> <laughs> They're like the losing Super Bowl shirts out there. We've got quest for perfection. <laughs> Can't even talk. We've got quest for perfection in underdeveloped countries, and I love it. I love it too. Okay, so after our next episode, when we recap the bowl, we'll talk about next year's uh, expectations because I think the Utes are going to be even better next year. But we'll get to that. Yeah. So bowl game, you guys, your bowl game is next week. Uh-huh. Tell me your. Brief thoughts on it. It's Western Michigan, and I know nothing. I know next to nothing about Western Michigan. I know they their slogan is like "row your boat," and I think that's kind of cool because I like well, kayaks was, and stuff. I think that was their the I think that was their previous. Oh, slogan. that wasn't a team thing. He took that to Minnesota. Ah, man, I wish that would have been the team thing. That's all right. Uh, I know their colors are brown. I think, and they're from Western Michigan. This is one of those ignorant fan i expect byu to blow them out of the water because i know nothing about them so they could surprise us they could be better than i'm giving them credit for but man i really want byu to go out on making a statement keep keep getting our hopes up keep getting me to invest for next year this should be a win just based on prestige of the programs alone and that's i know i'm setting myself up for disappointment there but that's how i feel okay no that's 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 fine um, Utah, as you know, plays in the Holiday Bowl, and we play against Northwestern. Mm. Um, Utes are a six-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, I expect the Utes to win for a couple reasons. One, because Kyle Whittingham prepares for bowl games mm-hmm. like nobody else. I saw a stat today that he's won 11 bowl games. Yeah. And Arizona State, as an entire program in the history of their freaking program, has won 11 bowl games. Okay. So he's won as many yeah. in his coaching tenure as their entire program. Uh-huh. So I think uh, he, he just knows how to get teams up for bowl games. We have one bowl game loss, and of course it was to Chris Peterson in Boise State yeah. who owns us. Mm. But yeah, so uh, I think Utah goes out. Um, I think we win like a 27 18 type of game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Northwestern is almost kind of like a mirror image of Utah. They have a good defense. Oh, really? um, they finished eight and four. Um, but you know what? They didn't. They didn't really have very many signature wins. They 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 played in the Big Ten West, which is uh-huh. was down. Um, and so I think I think Utah goes out. New Year's Eve gonna be fun. Got my flight and hotel booked, ready to rock and roll. I, we finish strong and get Kyle Whittingham a ten win season, which. In the last five years, so I always said at the beginning of the Pac-12, mm. give us a few years to ramp up. You're taking a Mountain West team, putting in the Pac-12. I'm going to put an asterisk by the first three years. I said that all along. Yeah. And even our first year, we went eight and four pretty good. Yeah. Right? Um, but in the last five years, so he, he we had a couple losing seasons. Last five years, if he wins, we'll have nine wins, ten wins, nine wins, seven wins, 10 wins. Mm-hmm. So an average of nine wins a year the last five years, I think that's pretty awesome I'd, for oh yeah. for, uh, I'd say for that's, a Pac-12 team to do that. So, yeah, well, and to, uh, as a coach to do that consistently, that's legendary. Yep, yep. So I, I want to I get that because I want to have his second pack, second 10-win season in the Pac-12. I want to have uh, 9-10, 7-9-10 again. So yeah. setting up for next year. But that's my prediction. We win, beat Northwestern, finish 10-4. and four. And overall, be a good year. Is so. is this a pretty lateral Pac-12, Big 12 matchup? I mean, is this like the third-place team versus the third-place team or something like that? Or, or where it's, are they? It's, it's close. I mean, Utah technically, I mean, we're the runner-up. Okay. So that's not technical. That's factual. Right. We're the Pac-12 runner-up. Northwestern also is the Big 10 runner-up. Okay. Um, so they, they, they lost in the, in the Big 10 title game to Ohio State. However, the East and the Big 10's got all the big dogs. Right. Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State. Um, so... I don't know if they're they're technically the second. They're not. So they may, not may be around the, the fourth team. or fifth then, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, but Utah should win just based on uh, how Kyle Whittingham prepares. We're favored by a touchdown. Right. So, should be good. Should be a good uh, game. Any sponsors this week while we wrap it up? Yeah. Go to alaskankayak.com. If you go there right now, you can likely order a beautiful picture to hang on your wall or your loved one's wall we've got northern lights we've got loons the common loon the coolest animal there ever is we've got waterfalls we've got seals we've got some bears we've got sunsets like you've never seen before 
And uh, is it too late to uh, to get this merchandise by Christmas? I don't think so. I think I I don't know. You should probably hurry. I just especially because, bro. Especially because you can just throw it in the back of Santa's sleigh, man. That's right. There, you're in the North Pole as it is. It's already just throw here. Throw it in the back of Santa's sleigh. Yeah. Yeah. You've got your own delivery uh, vehicle. I I did. I've always wanted to do this, and I finally. Here's the thing: it costs me money to get my own prints. Like the printing cost is like half of the overall cost. So I threw down really? some money today, and I got myself a really huge printed on metal print of of the loon that i took in fact that's what started this whole conversation uh but i I got a bunch of things for my kids for christmas presents and so they're all wrapped right now but man i love the way they look on metal in fact i'm going to talk about them on my instagram stories cool yeah everyone head over to last utah for instagram stories we (laughs) want to wish everybody a merry christmas sorry that's all right i'm a different guy there we (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah. We want to miss, wish everyone a Merry Christmas. We hope your season is filled with joy, that you're surrounded by loved ones, and really all that matters is family, man. Yeah. Are you surrounded by family? Do you do you have joy and satisfaction there? Because material possessions don't matter. Sports teams don't matter. All that matters is your loved ones. So I hope you, we hope you're surrounded by loved ones. Lots of good food this holiday season. Have a Merry Christmas. Go Utes. I want to add to that. I'm gonna. You already said go you, so you're gone, listeners. Nope, it's just go, you and add, me right add, now. Nope, nope, nope. Add and then we'll and then I'll, <laughs> we'll throw the go you out again. Just two years ago, we only had two weeks with our Christmas presents, and that changed the way you think about those things. You know, like we loved the Christmas time, we loved those Christmas memories that we made. But two weeks after we unwrapped everything we gave each other, everything we gave each other went up in smoke. We lost our house and we lost everything else we had too. But then looking at those things, we're like, oh, I was so excited about this for my son and he had it for two weeks and now it's gone. And then do we replace that? We've got so many other things to replace. And so, you know, it was kind of an interesting thing to say, to kind of change how you think about what you do and what you get for each other. I mean, you're absolutely right. It's the relationships that matter. It's those memories that matter. It's the time that matters. The stuff is cool, but the stuff's all going to break and it's all going to be destroyed. Like, we will all be consumed by fire eventually. And this is the end of my talk. Yeah. Okay. Good. Well, we'll close in the name. Just kidding. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yes. Okay. So uh, just do me a favor and clean out your chimney so it doesn't happen again. Oh, right? I don't have a chimney anymore. Oh, okay. Good. <laughs> good, good, good. We're good. Okay. All right. Well, we will see you guys after the bowl game. And that will be after the first of the year because we'll wait till the Utes are done with theirs as well. We'll get all those G5 bowls out of the way before Christmas, and the real teams will play after Christmas. <laughs> we'll go for check out my, check out my, uh, go to my profile. I, I, <laughs> I didn't even tell you this was inspired by your argument with someone else. Uh, BYU is not G5 because they don't belong to any group of five schools. So I, I totally went Ute fan, and I took my logo that I'm affiliated with, not the BYU logo, but my logo, and I put it in my profile, like the banner picture, or whatever. Go check it out at Alaskutan on okay. Twitter. We'll, we'll head over there. And that's it. We will wrap this up. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Happy holidays. Go Utes. Go Cougars.